Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Tenth episode of CCT. We've reached a decade. It's a milestone. Great accomplishment. We survived ten weeks of the CFB season. Again, it's been a wild one. Definitely an abnormal year by any standards, but definitely a great year. I appreciate everyone tuning back in. Love all the support. You know the feedback and just uh, getting together with everybody. You know the community we have every week. I appreciate all the support and uh, start off with hop into some games, talk about some of the key exciting games from last week, some updates here. As predicted, Michigan State defeated Michigan for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, which many of you don't know. That is like the Battle of Michigan Trophy. So whoever wins claims the Paul Bunyan Trophy. Michigan State defeated Michigan's 37-33. Michigan State, the Spartans moved to 8-0. The Wolverines fall to 7-1. Michigan State ran over Michigan, to be honest. They had 199 total rushing yards. Michigan dominated in total yards and passing yards. Just per perspective, Michigan had 406 total passing yards. So it was kind of opposites. Michigan State ran them over. Michigan kind of just torched them in the passing game. But both teams had two turnovers. Start off with Michigan State. Thorne, their quarterback, was 19-30 passing, had 196 yards and two interceptions. The running back, Walker, to third. Had 23 rushes for 197 yards and five touchdowns. Like, sheesh. Sheesh! Man had five touchdowns. Balled the fuck out. Definitely upped his uh, resume and campaign for the Heisman if he wasn't already in the conversation. I've talked about Bryce Young, Matt Corral, Bijan Robinson, you know, potentially others in that mix, but he definitely. Boosted his stock, pushed his way to the forefront. Shout out to you, man. You balled out. Now, Michigan, the quarterback, McManera, was 28 of 44 passing, 383 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. The wide receiver, Anthony, had six catches for 155 yards and two touchdowns. I don't know who was covering him, but, geez, he, got, he turned the hell up, too. So, shout out to that man. And uh, under the Jim Harbaugh era, Michigan has struggled against Michigan State. They've definitely beaten them. But in big, crucial games, whether Michigan State's really good or Michigan's really good, Michigan always seems to slip up and falter. And again, if I was Harbaugh, I'd definitely feel the heat a little bit. His seat's definitely getting warmed. He hasn't done anything at Michigan since he's gotten there. Hasn't won the Big Ten, hasn't even gotten to the conference championship. Damn as well, didn't get near the playoffs. So the Wolverines definitely going to have to think about their coaching going forward. But Michigan State's undefeated. Look like a potential favorite to win the Big Ten, but Ohio State and Michigan, who knows? It's going to come down to those three. Again, Michigan State still has to play Penn State and Ohio State, so two tough games. But, you know, they're all still in the hunt, except Penn State. They suck. They have three losses now, so they're definitely out of it. I'll talk about that in a second. But switching now gears to the great Florida-Georgia game. I've been told it's one of the biggest uh, cocktail parties ever. It's held in Jacksonville, where I currently am located. 
It's at the Jaguar Stadium, a neutral site. Again, I don't know why. I'm going to have my buddy Jared on for a little uh, CVCF, college junior college football in a little bit. Maybe he can tell me about that. But I would just have it switch between home and, you know, home and away every year. Like, you know, Alabama, Auburn, Michigan, Michigan State. But, again, that's not my say to say. So Georgia handily defeated the Gators 34-7. to Georgia moves to 8-0. Florida is now 4-4. Georgia, like a typical Georgia game, had 193 rushing yards. Florida had 194 passing yards, and their flip-flop stats were very similar. They both had three turnovers, which I was actually very shocked about. Georgia, I didn't expect to turn over the ball that much. Florida, depending on which quarterback played, I kind of expected some of it. But three turnovers apiece. Jumping into Georgia first, Stetson Bennett, a.k.a. the mailman. It was 10 of 19 passing, 161 yards, and a touchdown. He threw two picks, which is understandable. Stetson Bennett is no Heisman. He's no stud, but he gets the job done. Um, again, they only threw the ball 19 times, which isn't shocking for Georgia. They're a ground-and-pound, old-school SEC team, run down your throat, play good defense. And this year, the defense is the best I've seen in the past probably 10 years. White, the running back, had 14 rushes for 105 yards and a touchdown. So that man balled the hell out. Kudos to him. Now jumping into the Florida stats. Richardson, one of the quarterbacks that played, had 12 of 20 passing, 82 yards and two picks. So not a good day for him overall. Again, they only threw the ball 20 times, which is kind of shocking. But then Emory Jones, their other quarterback, he was 10 of 14 passing. For 112 yards. And he did have a touchdown rush. So Richardson kind of struggled. Again, I didn't watch the game, but I'm guessing the defense just shut down the running game. And he was either pressured or none of the wide receivers got open. I'm guessing that was what happened. Again, I'm going to have Jared talk about that later. Some bigger synopsis on this game. But Georgia, 8 no Number one team in the country. Definitely the favorite to win the Natty right now. I still think the only team to get in their way possibly is Bama. And uh, you could book this. I think if Bama doesn't beat Georgia, I don't think anyone is. I think whoever wins the SEC championship, whether they have to play each other again in the playoffs or not, whoever wins out of those teams is going to win the Natty. I don't think anyone else really has a chance. I think they're both head and shoulders above everyone else. It's kind of crazy to say this year because the Clemsons, the Ohio States, aren't as good as they have been prior. Now jumping gears to the Ohio State-Penn State game. Ohio State defeated Penn State 33-24. Ohio State moves to 7-1. Penn State falls to 5-3. Penn State's on three-game losing streak. Like I said last week, they're done. Now they're even more done. They got burnt. Ohio State had 467 total yards, 162 rushing yards. Penn State had 362 passing yards, which is very shocking. I thought, you know, Ohio State's a very high-flying offense, but they grind the ball this game. Ohio State had one turnover. Penn State had three. So, again, like I always say, turnover battle. If you're negative two, again, unless the other team is really bad, I don't think you're winning the game. Some numbers here. Penn State, Clifford, their quarterback, was 35-52, 362 yards. So he threw the ball 52 damn times for 362 times. 262 yards, excuse me. For one touchdown and a pick. Dotson, one of the wide receivers, had 11 catches for 127 yards. 
and Washington, another wide receiver, had nine catches for 108 yards. So obviously Ohio State's D-backs must have been out to lunch, or those guys are just so much better because two guys over 100 yards, just, again, it's not crazy. I've definitely seen it before in college football, but Ohio State usually has better defensive teams than back, and sometimes even better defensive you know, players, D-backs specifically. So that's something definitely to take notice of. Uh, flipping over to Ohio State, she's a Stroud. Their quarterback was 22-34, had 305 passing yards and one touchdown. And Henderson, the running back, he had a big game, had 28 rushes for 152 yards and a touchdown. Like I said, Ohio State kind of grounded and pounded. They still passed the ball. Obviously, Stroud threw 305 yards, but not a typical... I guess if you want to say Ohio State lighting up the board. They did win by nine points, which is still a lot. But honestly, I thought Ohio State would have beat Penn State a lot but worse. But again, we'll see. We'll see how Ohio State is, if they're for real. They're the number five team in the country right now with the new rankings coming out. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But last but not least, the last game I want to talk about, the Ole Miss-Auburn game. I watched this game. Auburn defeated Ole Miss 31-20. Again, it was in Auburn. Ole Miss had 307 passing yards, which is no shock. Corral and that offense have been very highly prolific, high scoring this whole year. Auburn had 206 rushing yards, which isn't a shock either because they like to grind and pound the ball. Ole Miss had one turnover. Auburn had two. Corral got hurt at some point in the Ole Miss game and had to leave, and they came back in. But he was 21 for 37, passing 289 yards, threw one interception, and he also rushed for a touchdown. Pearson, the wide receiver, had seven catches for 135 yards. So he balled out. Shout out to that man, Pearson. Again, if he's doing that against Auburn's D-backs, I hope James Williams, John Mechie, and some of the Alabama boys, when they play him in a couple weeks, can torch him for that too. Let's switch it over to Auburn. Bo Nix was 23 of 31 passing, 279 yards passing. Also threw for a touchdown, and he also rushed for two touchdowns. So Bo Nix, like we know, he does run around a lot. Again, I think he's okay. I don't think he's a superstar. He's definitely above average. He's a good, you know, can run around, move, makes good throws sometimes. But again, I'm still not believing in the hype in him. He has beaten Alabama his freshman year. Again, I was at home. They're home against Bama this year. But the only thing I'm worried about is that Auburn kind of holds the key. They beat Ole Miss. They have two losses, Auburn. Well, one of them was to Penn State, so it's a non-conference loss. So if they beat Alabama at home, Alabama has two conference losses. Auburn still has one. So they go to the SEC Championship to versus Georgia, and Alabama doesn't make the SEC Championship or make the playoffs because you're not making the playoffs with two losses. So this Auburn game is going to kind of be a make or break for Alabama this season. Obviously, Alabama still has LSU and I think Arkansas before then. I can't overlook those teams, but the Auburn game is going to be a barn burner. It's in Auburn, Jordan-Hare. Alabama hasn't won there in, since 2015. In 2017 and in 2019, they lost there. So that's going to be a big game for Auburn. And if they want to make the SEC championship or even upset Georgia, even though they got smoked by them a couple weeks ago, they're going to have to keep winning and beat Bama. Now, shifting over to some college football news. Like I stated, the initial rankings for the college football playoff came out. Just go over to top 10. 
got Georgia 1, Bama 2, Michigan State 3, Oregon 4, Ohio State 5, Cincinnati 6, Michigan 7, Oklahoma 8, Wake Forest 9, and Notre Dame 10. Top 4, I potentially agree with. The only possible team that I have a discrepancy with is maybe Oregon and Ohio State could flip, but then you could say, well, Oregon beat Ohio State. Which I understand the argument, so I understand why they put them before them. But the big uproar has been about Cincinnati. And everyone and their grandmother has been all over social media and the news complaining that Cincinnati got scummed. Oklahoma's another team that claimed they got scummed. Let's talk about both these teams. Cincinnati plays in the AAC. For those of you who don't know, that is the American Athletic Conference. And those of you who know in this community, how I always rag on the ACC that Clemson plays middle school teams. If the ACC is middle school teams, then the AAC is like preschool teams. You have teams like Navy, Eastern Carolina, Tulsa, UCF. Like, no offense, my 94-year-old grandma can beat those teams. I'm sorry, Cincinnati. I love the whole non-Power 5 school making a push. I understand it. But at the same time, you had a big win against Notre Dame in their place, but Notre Dame is trash this year compared to the prior years. And you play nobody else. The next big, the only other big game you have on your schedule right now is SMU. And they're undefeated right now. I think they're ranked 20-something in the country. But besides that, they play preschoolers. So this is my argument. I understand why they're not in the top four. Compared to those other four teams, yeah, they don't deserve it. But if you have the argument, okay, let's say they do make the playoffs. Let's say, because I already made the argument, if they don't make the playoffs, okay, they won't deserve it, which is true, even if they go undefeated and win their conference. Let's say you put them in the playoffs. This would be a dream, which is going to happen if they make the playoffs, but we'll see. If they make the playoffs and they have to play a Bama, a Georgia, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Oregon, and Oklahoma, and any of them, to be honest, they're going to get smoked. And if they lose by four touchdowns or more, which is embarrassment, I honestly think, and I don't think, I know that will happen to any of those teams. And then after that happens, everyone will crawl back into the little holes they came out of and not complain about, oh, the same four teams make it every year and we don't have anything to play for because we don't have a shot at the playoffs. Well, look what happened when you got in the playoffs and you played with the big boys and girls. You got your ass kicked. So I'm honestly hoping for that to happen. Because I just want to see Cincinnati get their ass kicked so that everyone can just shut the hell up about teams making the playoff like that. But at the same time, I don't want them to make it because then it would take a spot from another deserving team. So that's the whole deal with Cincinnati. I don't want to hear the Cincinnati baloney on this. Again, if you're a Cincinnati fan, I got God bless you. But I'm sorry. Come play Georgia. And I know you almost beat them last year. But trust me, Georgia's a whole different team than they are last year. Triverse and Obama and Ohio State and Oklahoma. You ain't gonna, it ain't gonna be close. It's gonna be a massacre. You thought Notre Dame and Oklahoma in the past couple playoffs have been bad? Just wait to see what in Cincinnati would happen. But I digress with them. Oklahoma, another team, they're undefeated, but they play in the Big 12, which is a basketball conference. Who can score 50 points wins the game. Again, they don't have any big wins. They beat in Texas. They beat, let's see, they beat Kansas last week. They haven't played Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's at the end of the year. They don't really have any big wins besides that. And again, the Big 12 Conference, is it's okay. 
might be the third best conference in college football, but it's not strong. So until they play somebody, I'd like to see what they have to say. Again, their defense is trash. I don't care how good they recruit. Just like the sun comes up in the east and sets in the west, Oklahoma will not have a defense. I'm sorry. Lincoln Riley, get your shit together. So that is my thought about the rankings. And again, like I said, it's the initial rankings, the first week. They really don't matter. I was looking at something today on, on uh, Instagram. The initial rankings in 2014 had Mississippi State as number one and Ole Miss as number four. And I'm pretty sure, I'm not pretty sure, I know for a fact, none of those teams made the playoffs in 2014. So the initial rankings don't mean jack. So everyone that's complaining, oh, my team deserves to be here. Everything's going to change because half these teams still have to play each other. So everyone quick quine and relax. Now switching gears. A bunch of weeks ago, I forget what week it was, I talked about Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe on this program. It was more of a sadder side. Both of them were University of Utah players. Both died in accidental shootings within the past year or so. But the other day, Utah honored and retired their number 22 that both of them wore. A little backstory, and then they were both best friends from you know Texas, went to the same high school. I believe... Aaron Lowe or Ty Jordan, again, I'm going to mix this up. One of them convinced the other one to go out to Utah with them. They played together. And then after one of them was fatally shot and died, the other one wore the number 22 jersey in his honor. And then he ended up getting shot in a fatal shooting as well. But they did that. They were, you know, they retired the number and honored it the other day, which is something I saw, which I just wanted to touch up on because I talked about that at the beginning of this, you know, this podcast probably like second or third week, and uh, I saw that, and I thought that was very special and great. His family, all the families were there. It was, you know, a nice ceremony. Switching gears now, just statistic-wise, talk about Georgia and how historic their year is. In the first eight games of the year, because Georgia's 8-0, Georgia has held their opponents to under 14 points. So 14 points is the max. The last team to do this was Bama in 1992, and in that year, Bama won the match. So all of you Georgia fans out there, get hyped because you're probably going to win the Natty this year unless Bama has something to say about it. Now, talk about the coaching carousel of college football. As of right now, there are seven vacancies in college football. In the FBS, I should say, because FCS is definitely a lot more. The opening spots are UConn, Georgia Southern. What Georgia Southern actually just hired a coach to scratch that off the list. LSU, TCU, Texas Tech, Southern Cal, and Washington State. To go through some recent signings for coaches. UTSA, Jeff Trailer. They're currently 8-0 right now and nationally ranked. He just signed a 10-year, $28 million contract to get extended. Shout out to the Roadrunners. They're having probably one of the best years that they've ever had in their FBS life. PJ Fleck, Minnesota's head coach, got a seven-year contract extension. And this is the Georgia Southern. Clay Helton, who used to be the former Southern Cal coach, he was signed with Georgia Southern. Again, this is all happening within the past week or so. TCU and their coach Gary Patterson, they have agreed to part mutually part ways, and that was effective immediately. Texas Tech fired their head coach. And this is another possible you know, wrinkle in all this mix. Auburn's head coach, Brian Harrison, who used to be the old Boise State head coach, he has not confirmed whether he's vaccinated against COVID-19 or not. 
And if y'all tuned in last week, I had a whole saga on Rolovich, the Washington State head coach, who was just released because of not getting vaccinated. So Auburn, the university, is requiring all employees to be vaxxed by December 8th. I wish it was before the Iron Bowl, which is the week of Thanksgiving, but it's not. So we'll see if either A, he's vaccinated, B, he doesn't get vaccinated, or C, he gets an exemption. But that is something that's, again, within a month's range, the man has to get vaccinated. So, again, Auburn, you know, doing pretty well this year. We'll see what happens there. And, um, again, a lot with the coaching carousel going on. Last but not least, I want to go into the games a week before, you know, switching over to the CVCF, college, doing college football. First game is an old coach against a former team, Liberty University, who is 7-2, will be playing Old Miss. Old Miss is home. They're 6-2. They're ranked 16th in the country. It will be in Oxford, Mississippi. That game is 12 p.m. Eastern on SEC Network. Hugh Freeze, who's the former Rebels coach, now coaches Liberty. She's in an all-Christian school in Virginia. A couple of my best friends, my girlfriend, go there. I went to a game there. It's a great environment. Recent new FBS school. Freeze's claim to fame was beating Alabama at Ole Miss with Bo Wallace two years in a row, home and away. And again, I don't know the whole story if Ole Miss let him go or he decides to leave, but then he found his way to Liberty. And they've been very successful in the FBS so far. I believe they're back-to-back Cure Bowl champs. So they've made two bowl games in a row and won them back-to-back. So that game, just an old coach against his former team. Very exciting to see how they receive him in Oxford. Tune into that game. Next, we have Wake Forest against UNC. Wake Forest is away. It will be in North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Wake Forest is number nine in the country. They are 8-0 against UNC, who's 4-4. That game is on ABC at 12 noon Eastern time. Wake Forest is the only undefeated team in the ACC, which is kind of shocking. But again, shout out to them. I know a friend of mine who went there. She really (laughs) didn't know much about the football team. But she definitely was, you know, supported the school in its spirit. And I'm sure she's happy to hear that they're kicking butt this year. So shout out to them. Only representing the ACC. Everyone else in that conference is trash. Now, big game this week. Texas A&M home against Auburn. A&M is 14. Auburn is 13. They're both 6-2. That game is 3.30 p.m. on CBS. And again, that's Eastern time. Again, A&M beat Bama. At home, are they going to take the sweep of the state? Are they going to beat Auburn? Again, it's in it's in College Station at Kyle Field, so hey, the odds are definitely in their favor. I hope Auburn loses for Bama's sake, but again, we'll see what Auburn's really made of. And if they keep building momentum, get big wins, they're definitely going to be up for the Bama game, because they always are. But definitely a big game for them to see if they want to stay in either the playoff hunt or the SEC championship hunt. Definitely, I will probably be tuning into that game. Next, we have the Bama-LSU game. Bama's number two in the country. They are home, 7-1. and one. Against LSU is 4-4. Four four. That game is 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. I will be at that game. I will be in Tuscaloosa. I'm very excited. One last time, the heck of Coach O. So, roll tide. You should bank that one. That one should be a blowout. Next. Oregon against Washington. Again, Oregon's number four in the country. They are away at Washington. Oregon's 7-1. Washington's 4-4. Four four. 
That game is 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on ABC. Again, Oregon, number four in the country. They want to keep their playoffs hopes alive, win the Big 12, Pac-12, excuse me. They got to take care of business against Washington. Washington hasn't been good in like four, five, six years. So again, we'll see what they're made of. They're home. So again, home teams usually put up good fights. Again, not all the time, but sometimes. So we'll tune in that game. Last but not weeks, not last but not least, the last two teams in the top four. Georgia is home against Mizzou. Georgia's 8-0. Mizzou is 4-4. Four four. Be in Athens between the hedges. That game is 12 noon Eastern time on ESPN. Again, expect Georgia to win by at least 28 points. Mm, maybe 21. But again, I don't see Mizzou putting up a fight in this game. Last but not least, Michigan State against Purdue. Michigan State, like we know, number three in the country. They are 8-0. Purdue is 5-3. They will be home. That game is 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC. Again, Michigan State undefeated. Haven't been undefeated since they made the playoffs in 2015. Purdue did upset Penn State. No, they upset Iowa. Excuse me. Penn State lost to Illinois and um, what you call it, Ohio State. And then they lost to... Huh. It is slipping my mind right now. But I know they have three losses. They lost to Iowa as well. That's exactly it. Because I remember Clifford got hurt that game. So, we'll see if Purdue, who again, upset Iowa. We'll see if Purdue wants to play spoiler again. Those are some of the intensely intense games of the week. And um, now we'll get ready for a little CVCF. Alrighty. Now, let me introduce... One of my best friends, the Jacksonville native himself, my buddy Jared Undercoffler. Again, the Florida Gator man. I met him when I first started working for the current job that I'm at. We both work for the same job. Known him since February. We've become best pals. And he attended the University of Florida. He's a Gator through and through. And again, that is his short but sweet introduction, Jared Say hello to the world. Hey, Chris. Hey, guys. I was, uh, thanks for having me on, man. I'm really excited to answer your questions. You let's know, get, let's get it going. Um, I'm excited. I'm very excited. We're doing it a little different this time, a little interview style. Kind of gotten some feedback. So, we're going to take, you know, test out the rain, see how we like it. So, Jack, start off with tell me about the University of Florida. Well, I guess to talk about UF, I got to talk about growing up. You know, I grew up a Gator fan. My, my whole family is a bunch of Gators. And when I was deciding to go to UF, I, I basically, I, if I, my options were FSU and UF, and if I would have chosen FSU, I think I would have been disowned. So that's why I picked, picked UF because <laughs> my whole family went there. But uh, I mean, UF's a great school. I mean, I loved my time there. It's, they've got a lot of pride for their, their sports and academics and everything. But, um, Going to UF was, you know, like like I've get I guess fan would be like the same thing as well because it's like a got a pride pride about their football and they got a lot of success but not as much recent success but you know you always look forward to the Saturdays when you're in the swamp and I know Chris knows what that's like. Oh um, yes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah no, I love going there and I love big football, I love the environment and you know there's all my friends around me too. So it's it's a great time at UF. I was about to say, recently, speaking of academics, they just became top five, what, number five public school in the nation in academics, correct? Yeah, they they are kind of 
focusing in on that and they've, they've been really really achieving a lot of great things at UF and I'm, I'm glad to have gone there because it's it's a great school well you know you got your degree from there so it can't be half bad <laughs> I guess yeah <laughs> so a little bit more about I guess because I went there for the Bama Florida game as you know but I didn't get to you know mosey around campus a little bit yeah. kind of describe a little bit of like what Gainesville is like I know it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but give me a rundown a little bit like the campus, the layout kind of, you know. It's a real big campus. It's such a it's really big school. I mean, like you said, it is kind of in the middle, the middle of Central Florida, which there's not a lot to do in the little swamplands and a lot of like a lot of natives, a lot of like outdoor activities and like there's fishing and and hunting and stuff like that in Gainesville. But the actual campus itself, there's. There's, you know, some central points, like there's Century Tower, which is a famous landmark, and there's a, a plaza that, you know, everyone knows about that, um, we got, there's like this thing that we call the French fries that kind of look like, uh, there's like modern structures, like there's a bunch of landmarks there, but it's, you know, there's like a lot of great, um, places to see on campus, and, you know, I'm, I, I just love the memories of just being there, because, you know, you get to see all the especially in the fall kind of there's like a certain type of environment and everyone's excited to be around campus but then it kind of dies down in the summer where everyone kind of goes to where they're back back where they're from but falls there's kind of an electric time to be there so. yeah i can uh attest falls in the south is definitely a different different uh animal compared to anything i've ever seen in my life now you said your whole family went there mm -hmm. as i know your mother your father and your two brothers so I guess switch gears a little bit yeah. between whether you when you were a kid or even when you were at school. What would you say is I guess one of your uh, favorite memories, being at school, going to the game, or anything? I guess in your life. Growing up, it was obviously the national championships. I, I was able to witness two when I was younger, as '06 and '08. But um, in school, I mean, we had like some crazy upsets. I remember we beat LSU was like top five, and we beat them and. And at the very last play of the game, I think it was like Brad Stewart or something. It was a safety. He, he picks, does a pick six at the close to the end of the game. Like the entire student section like erupted. Like I ended up like 15 rows above where I was sitting, just like <laughs> running around or like two like throwing things. It was, yeah, it was awesome. But uh, and also I got to saw like Felipe Franks. I think that's a little bit of a throwback. But he he threw this like 70 yard. Oh yeah, Hail Mary. Like, heave to mm -hmm. cleave is what we call it. Um, heave to Cleveland, and he it was like an amazing play just to watch from the live as you can see kind of it all developing there in person so it's just a bunch of great memories some upsets even though the old gators wouldn't say they're upsets because because you really don't lose in the swamp but uh you know just a bunch of great games and obviously being able to enjoy it with everyone that you know and at uf is oh yeah also great especially well. all your friends you know friends at school you know your relatives whoever comes down right some bad memories, you know, shoes as of recent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but hey, that's all right. You know, there's good times and bad times. I understand. Um, growing up a Bama fan, I've had witnessed the kick six, which is kind of devastating. Yeah. <laughs> some bad memories, but it's all right. Yeah, we definitely have seen some shoes thrown and some <laughs> questionable player decisions. And in the, in the, that comes with the territory, I guess. So... I've been to a game, but again, I was kind of clueless when I was there. So talk about, I guess, some of the traditions. I know you have your little two bits thing that you can go into more detail about. Some of the chants, you know, 
tell me, uh, you know, some of the historic things that you guys do down in uh, Gainesville. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they start the game. The, the first tradition I can really think of, like chronologically, is they do a gator walk where they kind of walk through the town and all the usually the not as many students, kind of these students are kind of partying at that time, but people kind of high five the players. More the fans, yeah, more you the know, fans, like young older kids. people, yeah. yeah. So they'll high five the players, and I think Urban Meyer started that when he was down there. But um, when to start to talk about the one you brought up, the two bits, that's one that I think way in the, like in the '60s or something, a fan was trying to fire up the crowd, so he started this two bits, four bits, six bits, a dollar, all for the Gators stand up and holler. That's he. He started that. It's an old timey cheer, but basically the story goes that he did it, and they came back and beat a team, and they did it ever since. So. And they honor the guy. The guy passed away a few years ago, but they honor the dude. And they, they have like usually famous uh, alumni or somebody come through and lead the cheer. But other like other things are there's like a won't back down at the end of the third quarter is kind of yeah that we've adopted. That's mm-hmm. a, everyone loves that one now. It's kind of gets everyone fired up. All the players. Um, that was cool because Tom Petty's a Gainesville native, and people were really emotional when he passed when he passed down. away. So. It was kind of a really cool me- uh, memory to create. Um, I can say that was, and again, you can tell me if you've been there, but for me, experiencing it, you know, for the first time this year, everyone put their flashlights on. It was mm-hmm. dark out. Excuse me, and that song played. It was really awesome, and especially, you know, just the whole serenity of the swamp and everything. You know how you described it's pretty much a big bowl. Mm-hmm. And um, going back to the two bits chant, I believe when I was there for the Bama game, Bradley Beal, who yeah. I had no idea was a Gator, he did the. Uh, that chant, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. They, they bring in a lot of like former Olympians or who are like people that have been athletes or famous, I don't know, people in the yeah. U.S. history. But yeah, I know the, I remember the first time they did the won't back down, like was the week or so after Tom Petty passed away, they started the, the uh, tradition and like people were crying and like, it was just like really emotional because mm-hmm. he like, Tom Petty worked for U.S. like, uh, like, I think he was like a lawn, like work on like the grounds or something like that. Grounds oh, before keeper. it became big, before yeah. it became big, and he's kind of they have a lot of landmarks and games all named after him and stuff. So, awesome, yeah, awesome. Tell me a little bit about this Gator Bait champ that has Gator been so bait. you know controversial. Yeah, that was one I grew up cheering, and, <laughs> and actually, I got the a former player made it. The one of the former players started the chant, but okay. there's some kind of lineage in the past, I guess it references some like uh bad behavior that are things in the when slavery was still much alive mm-hmm. that um they wanted to get rid of the idea of people being gator bait even though if you want to argue it's not really targeted towards people more towards the idea of just beating a team yeah but, or the you're the opposing team being yeah, gator bait yeah. yeah but people have kind of connected the dots as you know they might nowadays but mm-hmm. and they don't do that anymore correct no they, they've gotten rid of it that's a damn shame. At Bama, we had the song Dixieland Delight by the man Alabama. We had our own, uh, I would say, interesting lyrics to it. And they got rid of it for the longest time at my school. And then they all of a sudden they brought it back. And over certain parts of the song where we say certain things, they in the audio through the stadium, they blast crowd noise to try to dampen out it. But we still say it. It doesn't No, nah, It definitely doesn't work. But um, I'm glad it's back, which is definitely awesome. You know, sad to hear about the I Gator like song. Oh, you like, you've heard of it? Oh, yeah, oh, okay. that but That's a great song. So, now switching gears, we get a little background information. I know you're a big analytical guy, and I know you love watching Florida games, whether they're good or not. Mm-hmm. So, tell me what you thought of this uh, Florida-Georgia game. Uh, I'm sure you watched it. So, uh, what is your input, my friend? I think, 
as a Florida fan, much probably like as a Bama fan, you follow Auburn and LSU. I kind of follow the teams and see the development of the programs, the trajectory of the programs. I think it's just a bigger story of Georgia and Kirby Smart have been able to get the best talent and develop oh, yeah. it and recruit. Yeah. And recruit. And that's something that throughout Dan Mullen's career at Florida, he hasn't been able to do, or maybe his focus isn't that. I think he has a, if you get to listen in Dan, in Dan Mullen, you realize he has a kind of an ego and he thinks he can probably outsmart everyone in the country as opposed to getting the best talent. And, to help with that. Yeah. And I, I don't know if his priorities are always the right place, but I think that's a larger story. And you kind of saw it play out. Last year, they had kind of generational talent tight end with Kyle Pitts and Tony and Tal Trask, and they were able to just out, like outscore them. But, yeah. but I don't know if that's going to be available every year, so you kind of have to rely on your defense and your whole program, which I don't know if they have that at Florida right now. Mm. Would you say George is the favorite? Oh, obviously, George is the favorite to win the Natty. Mm. So if you were to pick a team right now to give Georgia a run for their money, would you say it would be Alabama or you'd say possibly another team? I think probably Alabama would be the best bet because Georgia's defense is so overpowering. overpowering. I think also they. If, you, if I watched last game, I, I thought Florida was a little bit complacent in the beginning. They weren't really taking that many shots. They were kind of they being conservative. Yeah. They were trying to make sure Anthony Richardson was kind of protected, if I'm being honest. His, his first start being against like the number one defense in like the last 10 years mm-hmm. is not really ideal. Yeah. But uh, I also think that there's a... There was like a really close, actually close game for like most of the first quarter into the second quarter. It was like, I remember the end of the first quarter was 0-0 I saw. And then it was like something 0 right before half. And then Georgia scored like two quick touchdowns yeah, or something like that. They, turnovers killed them. They, they fumbled like at their own 10-yard line. Yeah, my yeah. dad told me that. So, I mean, that's going to kill like when the talent is so close or like the game, when the game's so close, just those like mistakes. Little slip ups, yeah. And the Georgia's defense feeds on that. You get a really good defense, you know, that gets them going, fired up kind of. So, yeah. I think Alabama, because they, they can take care of the ball. And I, I think Bryce Young has shown he can make good decisions and they can score a lot of points quickly. Yeah. And Florida has been more of a running-based attack this year. The quarterback. Oh, and, 100% compared to last year, 100%. Yeah. So I think a passing team might take advantage because Georgia's got like a bunch of really great D-linemen that can oh, yeah. stuff up the run pretty easily. That guy Jordan Davis is a house. Yeah. So I think a team that can maybe get up quick on I don't think Georgia's designed to come back from from deficits. They're usually up and can can stop teams like that. And that's, I agree with that. I'm also very, as I've talked about, you know, on this podcast many times, I'm very suspect of their offense as well. Yeah. I understand JT Daniels is still hurt. Bennett's been filling in for the past four, five, six weeks. He's looked good, but he gets rattled. He threw two picks against Florida this week. Last year when he played us, again, it was in Bama. We kicked his butt. But again, different team, different year. But he's definitely beatable, and he's not – the next messiah so again i'm not really scared about their offense more say like you said mm-hmm. i just want to see how our offense does against their defense yeah i agree i and stetson threw like two lollipop passes that were like picked it yeah. wasn't even really close there even good yeah. decisions mm-hmm. i don't think he's gonna tear a team apart i think he's it helps that he gets the job the, done he's a game people, manager he's got the people around him that can the running game and the talent around him so jared you are the playoff committee I know they just released the first rankings, but let's speculate here, and let's say at the end of the year, 
Give me some scenarios of who your top four is, and we'll start off with that. I think if Bama beats Georgia, they both teams have to be in. Yeah, I agree with that. So you got Bama and Georgia both making it. So okay. in the opposite scenario where, where Georgia wins, I think Bama's getting knocked out yep. in that scenario. These two losses, you're not making the playoffs. I agree. I think the winner of the Big Ten is probably going to get in. Uh, yep, whether that's Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, whether one of those teams. One of those three yeah. teams, yeah. Um, I think, unfortunately, it's going to be Oklahoma because you see that I feel like it's a stage on move, but I feel like they're just going to end up having one loss or or being undefeated and they don't really can't compete, but it's going to probably be one of them. The only thing is, my question, do you put an undefeated one-loss Oklahoma, an undefeated Cincinnati, or a one-loss Oregon in for that last spot? Yeah, that's true. You just have to you do head-to-head and strength the schedule yeah. and all that. I mean, at that point, I think Oklahoma would have some better wins in their schedule, probably beating some better teams towards the end. True. I guess the only thing that Oregon has would be they would win their conference potentially, and they beat Ohio State. Yeah, true. They have that 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 victory that. Yeah. I, I just, I guess, yeah, you have to see if Oregon wins out in that scenario. Probably Oregon gets in for sure, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. Cincinnati is interesting. You have strong takes on Cincinnati. I, I think, I think that they could get in. Oh, of course. Yeah. If, uh, if they're undefeated, I think they are. Their quarterback is pretty good, so I think oh, they yeah, might keep good. them in a game because I don't know if they're. I don't think they'll be able to last like four quarters. And no. but I think it'd be interesting to see. I mean, you always kind of want to see those what ifs, like what if they play. Of course, yeah. What if they play the other team, but. Cincinnati is interesting this year. I think they actually have, out of all the years, like UCF or or one of the other schools were yeah. were uh, trying to yeah. schools. I mm-hmm. think they actually had the best shot because of, of the chaos that has happened this year. That if they just kind of stay unblemished, like undefeated, I think they'd have a chance to make it in. Whether or not they'll be competitive, I have to see. But I think their only shot potentially getting is if Bama loses to Georgia, because then it opens up another slot. But yeah. if Bama beats Georgia, I think their chances get sliced to bare minimum. I think if Bama beats Georgia, and then the Big Ten has some like kind of eats like eats at each other with losses, like Michigan beats Ohio State, and Ohio State beats Michigan State, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that could happen. Because then if Bama beats Georgia, you have those two. The winner of the Big Ten, and then one spot is either going to be Oklahoma, Oregon, or Cincinnati. So there's three teams competing for one spot. Whether if Bama loses to Georgia, you'd have three teams competing for two spots, which is a lot better odds. Yeah, and then you have Oregon. Like I haven't. It's been a while since we've seen a Pac-12 team in there. It's yeah, interesting to see if they'll make it. If like they'll be, if they finish on the field. I think they'll make it. But I think yeah. the last time we've seen a Pac-12 school was 2016 Washington. Yeah, yeah. and they. They didn't really yeah, Bama them smoked them that yeah. year. They had Jake Browning and all those guys, and Bama still beat them like forty nine nothing. I think yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. It'll be. Uh, I, I like this time of year because the chaos kind of ensued. Especially, uh, yeah, there's Florida's nothing to play for, so I kind of just sit back and watch. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> just sit back and watch the chaos. Yeah. Well, my friend, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for um, having me, man. You know, any last regards? Just go Gators, and uh, thanks. I mean, next year, <laughs> next year we got him. I guess we gotta hope Anthony Richardson turns into the next coming of something. But we'll see. Well, we shall. Maybe the next Cam Newton. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully he'll stay at Florida this time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> hopefully he won't steal anything and he'll stay at Florida. All righty, Jared. I appreciate you coming on. Again, 
Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. A little longer of an episode this week, but definitely packed full. Like always, everyone, thanks for tuning in. You know, 10 episodes in, it's kind of nuts to think that the season's almost over. But um, still a lot to go. A lot of things to happen, a lot of chaos, as Jared said. So stay tuned, lock in, and uh, everyone be safe. And uh, peace.